I'm so thankful to be with you today in this beautiful place. Um, we come from Southern California, and we do not have beautiful places like this um, there, and it's just such a blessing for me to be with you. I do want to bring to your attention the Lord Jesus again today. Let me read to you from Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. I want to talk to you this morning. I guess it's this afternoon now. You'll forgive me, I'm on Pacific time, and plus we did the whole time change. I have no idea what time it is anywhere. I do promise you, though, that I have a little timer here going, so I won't keep you. I want to speak to you today about the glory of a little two-letter word. You see, John came preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And in his preaching, he was calling people to repentance. But even John, in his wild asceticism, in his self-disciplined, world-shunning, repentance-preaching boldness, wasn't good enough. Even John wasn't good enough. Talk about a holy life. 
He gave up normal social relations with people. He lived in the wilderness. He didn't eat normal food. I mean, how many of you have had locusts? No, don't raise your hand. He gave up all these things for his ministry to God. And not just for Lenten time either. He did it his whole short life. But John knew he wasn't good enough. The good news is that John understood that he wasn't good enough. That's good news for all of us to know. John knew he needed a cleansing beyond what even he was offering in the Jordan. And so when Jesus came to him and said, please, baptize me, John knew he should not do that. John knew he needed a cleansing from someone else, someone else who would be worthy to do that. See, John would say, did say, I'm too unclean even to wear your, to carry your dirty shoes. And we could leave this story there. Mankind is unworthy. That's the end. But thank God that's not the end. Because that's not really the good news that we need. And I know that all of us, myself included, I know that no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be good enough because God's standard is perfection. So Jesus comes to his cousin John to be baptized for the remission of sins. Think about that. Jesus is the sinless one. He is the one who has spent the last 30 years living in Nazareth, loving his father perfectly, loving his neighbor, functioning for at least some time as the single head of his household, caring for his family and his mother. He didn't need any cleansing at all, did he? Jesus didn't need to be cleansed. Jesus didn't need a baptism for the remission of sins. Jesus didn't need to repent. And yet he comes to John and asks him to baptize him. And Jesus certainly didn't need to step down into that muddy river. What is he doing? Why is he there? Why is this man there? Well, we don't have to guess. When Jesus asked John to baptize him, and John at first resisted, Jesus said the most amazing thing that we can take great heart in. He said, let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And here we've come upon that most glorious two-letter word. The word, us. Jesus could have simply been fulfilling his own mission, his own righteousness, but that's not 
what he's doing. No, he's fulfilling all righteousness for us. That's why he's there. He's there in the Jordan being righteous for us so that in our baptism we have his righteousness. He's fulfilling all righteousness for us in our place. Notice the way he identifies with us. He doesn't say, I'm here to fulfill my own righteousness. And he doesn't even say, John, I'm here just for your righteousness. He uses that word us because he's identifying with us. In essence, he's saying, I'm being righteous in your place because you are right, John. Not even your righteousness will cut it. You need perfection and you can't get there on your own. You're going to receive it from outside yourself. Isn't that good news? That's such good news to know that the righteousness that we need does not come from within us, but is bestowed upon us as an alien righteousness from someone who is righteous in our place. He identifies with us. We need perfection, and we can't get there on our own. We're going to receive it from outside of ourselves, and that's the only place it will come from. So Jesus says to John, Come down with me into these dirty waters. Waters filled with humanity's furious self-scrubbing. And I'll purify them, and I will purify you. And my righteousness will be yours, and it will be enough. And that's the question today that we need to ask. Is his righteousness enough for us? Jesus said, let it be so. May we, may we let it be so. You see, although Jesus needed no repentance or cleansing, he identifies with the sinful people he came to save through his substitutionary life and death. He identifies with us as our representative, which is why he did not come to us. You know, he could have just appeared as a 30-year-old and lived for a while. I mean, if I was Tom Cruise, I could tell you he could have come in on a spaceship and landed in Israel. But that's not what he did. What did he do? The second person of the Trinity, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was joined to an ovum in the body of a young woman in Mary's womb. And he gestated there, just like you and I. And he was born just like you and I, placenta and all. And he had to eat and drink and be warmed and learn language. The word had to learn language. 
He didn't come out of the womb speaking perfect Hebrew or Aramaic or Chinese. He had to learn language, and he had to learn table manners, and he lost his baby teeth. He had to live as a child for us. Why? Because we need righteousness for our childhood. He had to live as a teenager. And I don't know about you, but I need Christ's righteousness for my teenage years because I was not a very nice teenager. But I have that perfect record of Christ, the perfect record that he had all through his teenage years of always loving his father, He made the most astonishing statement. He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to my father. Shocking. He said, I and my father are one. His entire being was wrapped up in pleasing his father. And then he loved his neighbor. When little children would come and bonk him on the head with a piece of wood when he was little. He loved them in return. When the girls of the village would come and flirt with him, he would love them and not use them. And as he grew and eventually had to take over the work of his home and be a carpenter, And his neighbors tried to cheat him. He loved them. See, 30 years of righteousness. 30 years of completely loving his father and his neighbor. Why? Why didn't he just come as a 30-year-old and live for a little while and then die? Because we need... That righteous record, that record of a perfect life lived in our place. You see, John, in all of his holiness, outward holiness, his asceticism, his self-discipline, the way he would give up so much of his life, his fire for and zeal for God, John knew it wasn't enough. He needed a perfect righteousness. And that's the good news of what we have. Because you see, in his baptism, Jesus said, It is fitting for us, oh thank God, us to fulfill all righteousness so that in our baptism, in our daily lives, in all of the things that we are doing to serve the Lord, he has bestowed upon us through our justification not only forgiveness of sins, which is good, but also perfect righteousness, that record of always loving, always loving. Jesus identifies with the sinful people he came to save through his substitutionary life and death 
Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, that's another one of those words, right? That inclusiveness, us, our. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become Here's three more amazing words. The righteousness of God. What do we have because of what Christ has done? Right now, by faith, we're not just good people. We're not just good folks. We're not just good people who have given up our lunch. We have the righteousness of God by faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ lived Perfectly in our place and then died perfectly in our place shamefully bearing upon himself all of our curse all of God's wrath for all of our sin so here's the good news us he identifies with us we are not alone trying to get up the ladder to be good enough. He's done it. And he walked down into those muddy waters for us to identify with us. We are not alone trying to be good enough. That's such good news. I've been a Christian for about 43 years. I did not come to Christ until right before my 21st birthday, or I should say, when Christ came and got me. And I've spent decades of my life trying to get up the ladder to be good enough. And God, in his grace and mercy, has reminded me, in Christ, because of what he's done, Because he lived that perfect life and died that shameful death and then was raised physically and then ascended still in bodily form for me, for us. Because of that, I can stop trying to prove that I'm good enough and I can rest and believe in what he's done. We are not alone in our desire to please God. He has done it for us. So then, let us rejoice and rest and believe. What do we need to do? Simply believe. Believe that he lived perfectly for us. Believe that we could not do it on our own. Believe that he died in our place and was raised for our justification. Simply believe. And the righteousness that he came to fulfill, which is what he told John he was doing, I have come to fulfill all righteousness. That righteousness is ours now. So, join me in prayer. Father, thank you. 
for the great blessing that you have given to us in sending your Son to live perfectly in our place, to die shamefully and under your wrath in our place. And then, Father, thank you that he was raised bodily in our place, that we might now have the righteousness of God. May we believe and rejoice and rest, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.